You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Locked On Clippers podcast. Today is Monday, February 26th, 2018, and I'm your host, Lucas Han. You can find me on Twitter at LucasJHan, and you can read my articles at ClipStation.com, as well as follow along on Twitter there at ClipsNationSBN. So, unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, we were robbed of Friday's podcast when the audio didn't record and process properly, but we're back with a vengeance today, and we're going to talk about the a couple of the Clippers' recent results. So their close loss to the Warriors last week coming out of their all-star break and then their kind of easy coast victory over the Phoenix Suns. And then we're going to talk about some of the intense games this weekend in the Western Conference playoff race and how this all affects the Clippers. And we'll go over the Clippers' remaining schedule, which is one of the toughest in the NBA. So first things first, let's get into this Clippers' loss to the Warriors last week, which, you know, it's it's a kind of game that you sort of expect to lose, not that you're ever happy to lose a game, but you don't feel too bad about losing a game to the Warriors. The Clippers are kind of in a situation standings-wise where they're, you can't have a moral victory. Every loss matters so much with how tightly contested the Western Conference is, but still, I think they played relatively well. They got off to a bad start. They went down 9-2 to early, and then they ended up losing the game by 7 points. So, you know, after that, like, kind of, you know, after that kind of bad start, they played the Warriors relatively competitively, and the Warriors shot the ball really well from deep, 14 from for 25, which 56% from 3 is above average even for them, one of the best shooting teams in the NBA. And the Clippers had some, some good performances and some bad performances. Tobias Harris... 22 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists on 7 of 11 shooting. Great, great game. Uh, Austin Rivers was solid. 14 points, 5 assists, 5 of 10 from the field. Montrez Harrell came off the bench 15 points in 16 minutes. But then a couple guys who struggled a little bit shooting the ball. Lou Williams, 7 of 17 for 21 points. Daniel Gallinari, 5 of 15 for 15 points. Those two guys combined to shoot 3 of 11 from deep. And that hurts you. That You know, two guys that probably are... If not the top two, two of the top three scorers for the Clippers, along with Tobias Harris, two of those guys struggling on the same night is going to make it really difficult for you to compete. And if even one of those guys had been, you know, really going, this is probably a much different game where it wasn't, you know, the Clippers were right knocking on the door, but it was never really competitive. Um, I think they actually did get it within one possession in the last couple of minutes, but the Warriors are just so lethal offensively it's hard to get stops even when you're scoring with them. So once you fall behind, it's like almost any deficit is fatal and no lead is ever safe. They're just The offense is just that potent with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Steph Curry in this game had 44 points, 14 of 19 from the field, 8 of 11 from deep. And a lot of it came down to the Clippers having some defensive issues where guarding the pick and roll, DeAndre Jordan was kind of sagging off. And so Steph would just come off of the high screen, pull up for an open three, and hit it. And it's really difficult to tell from our perspective whether that was DeAndre messing up repeatedly because it happened several times, if it was a scheme thing, if it was something that you know wasn't getting, like there was a miscommunication between what coverage they were using between DeAndre and whoever the guard was in those situations. But it's really hard to imagine that the Clippers thought that it was actually a good idea to have DeAndre Jordan just sit back 
and let Steph Curry shoot these threes. On plays where DeAndre stepped out and they switched those screens, DeAndre did a pretty good job. Now, yeah, did he get beat by Steph Curry off the dribble? Yeah, a lot of times he did. But he was able to contain, and then the team was able to scramble and rotate behind him. Whereas, when you don't step up at all, the guy just hits the shot. And I think the Clippers... You know, the Warriors are an impossible to defend team. There's just so many options. They make you make bad decisions. Like, they make you choose between two bad options. Like, option number one might be stick on Kevin Durant in the corner and let JaVale McGee roll down the middle for an open dunk. Option number two is come bump JaVale McGee on the roll and then leave Kevin Durant open in the corner on a skip pass. Both of those are really bad bets. If you're a defense, you don't want either of those things to happen. If you're an offense, you're happy with either of those things. And the Warriors just, they have so many options, they're so versatile, they shoot the ball so well, that they put you in positions a lot of times to choose between two bad things. And generally speaking, what you want to do in those situations is just make them do whichever one involves the most risk. So, yeah, if you step out on Steph Curry, he's probably going to beat DeAndre Jordan off the dribble and find a guy for a pass for a shot or, you know, a dump off for a dunk. But... You're making him take that extra step. You're making him do one extra thing that carries with it increased chance of a turnover, of passing the ball out of bounds, you know, of of not finding the open guy, whatever. But if you just let him walk into that open shot, you're not making it very difficult for them to get those looks. So the war, you know, and that's, I think that's probably one thing that's really hard about defending the Warriors for NBA teams is that it's disheartening because they're so often going to be successful, even when you do everything right. And it's very hard to keep doing everything right over and over again because it's the best option when it's not actually working. It's very disheartening to defend against a team that hits shots like that and is that supremely talented. The Clippers, for their credit, were able to put up the offensive performance to hang with them. I mean, 127 points is no joke, but I kind of feel like there's a little more headroom for the Warriors between their performance last week and what they can be than there is for the Clippers performance last week and where they can be the Warriors have the capability I think if they are if they start clicking I don't want to say flip the switch because it's you know it's not really a switch that you can just flip but when the Warriors get going into playoff time they're good enough to not let the Clippers score 127 points they're good enough to really really lock down defensively I don't know if the Clippers have that you know the Clippers could be a little better offensively than they were tonight just in terms of Lou Williams and Gallo hitting shots but I don't know that the Clippers have that headroom to be a dominant defensive team that can contain a team like the Warriors. So I think probably the war, you know, I think this is a good sign, as good a sign as any, that you're able to compete with teams like this. But it's probably not, um, you know, the Warriors, I think, will be better when the playoffs come around than they were in this game. And then the Suns game, um, you know, not a whole ton of note here. Clippers jump out to an early lead, and then it's kind of like a very uneventful game for me the rest of the way not a whole time to take note of just a game that they absolutely needed to win and they went in and won Lou Williams had 35 points Tobias Harris had 30 points 12 rebounds four assists probably definitely Tobias's best game as a Clipper so that's a good win um so you know you kind of get what you expect out of those these two games with the Clippers a loss to the Warriors but at least they competed throughout the game they fought hard a win against the Suns that they absolutely needed to get um so the question is what do the Clippers do going forward now? What What's next? Because they have kind of a really rough draw ahead of them in terms of the schedule. But before we talk about that, I have something a little bit different to share with you guys today. 
So pretty much in every episode, you hear me tell you guys to check out the other shows in the Locked On Podcast Network for the local expertise from around the league. Like, you know, I would say Locked On Suns and Locked On Warriors for the two games that we just discussed. But in case you don't believe me when I always say that, here's former Clipper and NBA champion champion Brent Barry talking about how he listens to these Locked On podcasts to learn about the teams whose games he'll be broadcasting before he goes on air. By the way, can I, I'm going to interrupt you and tell yes. you this. When I've been doing the players only, David, I travel on the airplane and I listen to the Locked On network for any team that I'm about to cover. And it's invaluable for me as an analyst to do that research and to hear those guys talk about their team being fair and unbiased and giving a painting a nice picture. So I really do appreciate what you're doing. And I hope the fans out there are getting a good listen because uh, those guys are doing good work. So before we get into the particulars of the Clippers remaining schedule, let's take a look at some of the games in the NBA that happened over the weekend and the games that are coming up tonight that matter to the Clippers. So the Clippers don't play again until tomorrow night, Tuesday night, but a lot of things are happening, you know, every day there's multiple games that are impacting the Clippers, both draft outlook in terms of their pick and the Pistons pick and their playoff outlook in the Western Conference. So as it stands right now on Monday morning, the Clippers are still in ninth place in the Western Conference, but as has been the case for quite some time, it is incredibly congested and they are essentially have just as much of a chance of making it in as any of the other teams around them so right now the san antonio spurs in third place have 25 losses minnesota portland and new orleans in positions four five and six each have 26 losses oklahoma city denver and the clippers in positions seven eight and nine each have 27 losses and then utah in 10th place has 29 losses but with the way utah has been coming on in the last few weeks I believe winning now 12 of their last 13 games, they definitely are right within striking distance. So a ton of congestion here. Every game that all of these teams are playing matters to the Clippers because even a team like San Antonio, who presumably we would say is safe and from preseason we would assume they were going to be a home court advantage team and San Antonio has made the playoffs every year in the last 500 years. But with Kawhi Leonard possibly not playing again for the rest of the season, and them being just two losses out of ninth place, they're in like they're in the danger zone. They're, they have these games are must-win games. It's not like Houston and Golden State theoretically have not clinched playoff spots, but Houston and Golden State are out. I mean they're in. They're they're not gonna fall out. They'd have to lose like twelve games in a row or do something ridiculous. But San Antonio very you know is very much on the edge. And then another team that we would assume would be safe, the Minnesota Timberwolves, only one loss out of ninth place with now Jimmy Butler going to miss at least four to six weeks with a meniscus surgery that that he's having. And Jimmy's been their best player all season. And then the other team that, that we figure would be safe would be a team like Oklahoma City because of the talent that they have. But they're just not winning basketball games. You know, you can have all of the talent on paper in the world. You can have the highest 2K ratings, you know, for your starting lineup, but if you, you they go four and six in their last ten, and right now they're right on the cusp of being out of the playoff picture. I do think Oklahoma City gets it together. Like I think once it gets down to the last couple weeks of the season, if they're really in trouble, they'll go into playoff mode. They'll play Paul George and Russell Westbrook forty minutes a night. They'll win the games that they need to win to get in. 
And I think they have that capability a little bit more than the other teams around them in terms of Portland and New Orleans and Denver and the Clippers and Utah, those kind of teams. But San Antonio and Minnesota, even at third and fourth right now, I think have to be feeling the heat a little bit just because of their injury situation. So it's definitely going to be interesting. But so some of the games that went down in regards to the Western Conference. Oh, and then just in terms of the East, kind of the the race for the playoff, the playoff race in the East has kind of really narrowed down to Miami and Detroit at the 8-9 spots. So Philadelphia, Milwaukee at 6-7 and seven each have 26 losses. Miami has 29 losses. Detroit has 31. So it seems to me that the odds of Detroit being able to pass Philly or Milwaukee, a 5-loss deficit at this point in the game, not out of question, but not probably worth monitoring on a nightly basis until something happens and maybe that gap shrinks. But I think looking pretty much more closely at Miami at 8, Detroit at 9, the Clippers definitely want Detroit to stay out and Miami to stay in so that the pick from the Pistons goes into the lottery because in all likelihood, two teams from the Western Conference will miss the playoffs but still have a better record than the Pistons. In that case, the Clippers will end up with at least the 12th pick from Detroit. And then Charlotte right now, only two losses behind Detroit. So definitely Charlotte is a team that Clippers fans will hope will be able to keep winning They're on a four-game winning streak right now, put some pressure on the Pistons, and maybe even push that Pistons pick up to 11. So, some games that went down over the weekend regarding these teams. On Friday, obviously the biggest game for the Clippers is their own game. They beat the Phoenix Suns. Good. Boston plays against the Detroit Pistons. Boston wins that game. It's a loss for Detroit. Again, good. Minnesota plays against Houston. So this is a game, even though Houston's a Western Conference competitor, they aren't. the Clippers don't have any chance of competing with Houston for a playoff spot, but Minnesota is right in the pack with them. So Houston winning that game, very good for the Clippers. Miami plays against New Orleans. So Miami, the team that's right ahead of Detroit. New Orleans, the team that the Clippers are competing with. This is like a double whammy. And New Orleans wins the game, which means the Clippers don't get helped and the Pistons do get helped. So that's like kind of a double blow to the Clippers Um that game, I think, went into overtime. So, yeah, that was that was really unfortunate for the Clippers. It would have been really advantageous for them if that had gone the other way. San Antonio plays against Denver. Denver wins. This is kind of a bad result for the Clippers just because San Antonio is a little more insulated from the Clippers, still up in third place and a couple losses ahead, and Denver is tied with them at 27 losses. So probably would have been for the Clippers' advantage if Denver had picked up the loss, but still is you know there still is the good impact of any time two of those teams that the Clippers are competing with play each other someone is going to lose and that's good for the Clippers at least a little bit the other one of that being Portland against Utah Portland beat Utah on Friday night and Portland is one loss ahead of the Clippers Utah is now two losses behind the Clippers so in theory you would probably prefer for Utah to have won because Utah would still be a loss behind the Clippers and then Portland would be tied with the Clippers in the loss column, but I think you'll take it, especially with how hot Utah had been. You'll take the Utah loss um, and, you know, get a little insulation because Utah had, I think they'd won 11 in a row going into that game, so it was definitely nice to see that streak snapped. On Saturday, Miami beat Memphis. Good. We want Miami to definitely avoid those bad losses as they try to hold off the Pistons. The Warriors beat the Thunder, sends the Thunder down to 27 losses, tied with the Clippers. That's very helpful. The Bulls play the Timberwolves, the Suns play the Trailblazers, the Mavericks play the Jazz. All three of these games were contested at one point in time. They weren't 
just runaway blowouts, and it looked like the Clippers might get some lucky breaks, but unfortunately, the Wolves, the Trailblazers, the Jazz, all three of them win these three games. None of them pick up a bad loss that really would have been advantageous for the Clippers. And then on Sunday, the Pistons lose to the Hornets. This is definitely good for the Clippers because the Hornets are the team that's directly behind Detroit in the standings. And Detroit's now 28 and 31, three games under 500. So they're really, really in trouble. Um, the Pelicans play the Bucks. The Pelicans win this game. Again, that's an unfortunate one for the Clippers. Milwaukee's a pretty good team. It, the game was in Milwaukee, so that's one that you would hope that New Orleans would lose, but they come out with their second overtime win in a row. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. The Pelicans have now won five games. Hopefully they kind of cool off and the Clippers have a chance to make up some ground in that regard. The Spurs win in Cleveland again. That's a little bit of a difficult game that you would hope the Spurs would lose on the road, but they go ahead and win that one. And then Houston beats the Nuggets. Once again, since Houston is so insulated from the Clippers, we're not really concerned with them, what they do. But the Nuggets winning, or the Nuggets losing, excuse me, is good for the Clippers because that loss dropped the Nuggets and the Clippers into a tie in the loss column. And then tonight on Monday night, several games to keep an eye on. The Pistons are playing the Raptors, another really difficult road game for the Pistons. Probably another game that they'll lose, which would drop them between, excuse me, drop them down within one loss of the Charlotte Hornets in the loss column. The Suns are playing the Pelicans. The Magic are playing the Thunder. The Timberwolves are playing the Kings. So three easy games for teams that the Clippers are competing with, but hopefully one or more of them can pick up a bad loss to one of those lottery tanking teams. And then... The Rockets are visiting the Utah Jazz. This is a big test for the Utah Jazz, who've been playing really, really well lately, but hopefully Houston can come out with the win here. This would put Utah back three losses behind the Clippers. Obviously not safe by any means with the difficult schedule that the Clippers have coming up, but a little bit of breathing room, and you can start focusing again more so on the teams ahead of you than worrying about the team that's on your heels. And speaking of that really difficult schedule that the Clippers have coming up, that's what I want to talk about next. So the Clippers have one of the toughest schedules in the NBA. I checked a few days ago, and I think they had the second toughest schedule in the Western Conference left behind San Antonio. And it kind of cuts both ways, because on the one hand, it's hard, you know, it's games that are going to be hard to win, whereas other teams are going to have more games against easier-to-beat teams. So that's difficult. But the advantage for the Clippers is that it, more so than any of the other teams in the Western Conference playoff race, their destiny is in their own hands because by nature of playing so many games against playoff teams in the last month of the season, they are playing a lot of those games against teams that they are directly competing with for playoff positioning, which means that they have a chance really to give themselves big head-to-head advantages, hand losses to teams that they're fighting with, you know, in some cases gain the advantage in the tiebreaker over these these teams when it comes down to seeding and really control their own destiny. If they can win a lot of these big head-to-head games they have coming up, they will make the playoffs. It's just going to be a little bit of a challenge to do that. One of the most difficult aspects of the Clippers' remaining schedule that doesn't cut both ways, this pretty much just sucks, is that they have five back-to-backs left. The first one is at Denver and versus Houston, which is Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. And then they have a home back-to-back against Cleveland and Orlando, a double roadie at Houston and at Oklahoma City, which is absolutely brutal, a double roadie at Minnesota and at Milwaukee, again, two playoff teams, and then a home back-to-back against Milwaukee and Phoenix. 
So those are going to be some really difficult games, especially that head-to-head -head against the Thunder on the second night of the back-to-back -back after playing against the Rockets. That's really, really difficult. And the Minnesota-Milwaukee pair is another one where you could easily drop both, as well as, honestly, this week's Denver and Houston is one where you can easily drop both of those games. I think the Clippers need to get this win in Denver tomorrow night to really help them. I, I, I don't think... I think it would really, really hurt them if they lost both of these games. And I think the second game against Houston is going to be very, very difficult. So winning that first game against Denver is a big one, I think. The Clippers have 24 games left total. Ten of them are against teams that they're competing with in, the, in this 3-10 pack in the Western Conference. They've got Denver twice, New Orleans twice, Portland twice, and then games against Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Utah, and San Antonio. So 10 of their 24 remaining games are these big, high-stakes matchups. So to end February, they've got this Denver-Houston back-to-back. Those are the last two games of February. And they have kind of a soft landing early in March. They have six games. Four of them are against lottery teams. And the two playoff teams are against Cleveland and New Orleans at home. So both winnable games at Staples Center. We'll see how Cleveland is playing when that game rolls around because they're still kind of working out all of the issues with their new roster and all the trades they made. But... New Orleans is definitely a game that you would say you would hope to win, especially at home in a big head-to-head -head matchup. So the Clippers have a chance to build up some momentum, figure out their rotation in those six games at the beginning of March, but they have a brutal last 16 games. In those last 16 games, they play only two really kind of like tanking lottery teams. 14 of those 16 games are against playoff teams or playoff contenders, and eight of those 16 games are the remaining eight crucial head-to-head -head games. So we established that they have this, Den uh, this Denver game tomorrow night. They've got the New Orleans game early in March. In their last 16 games of the season, they play Portland twice, Denver again, New Orleans again, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Utah, and San Antonio. All of those games are going to be crucial. So that's really the stretch that will define the Clippers' season. I think they just need to be kind of par before that so you probably want them if they split the Denver Houston back-to-back -back, that's fine if they can go say five and one in the six games early in March that's fine they'll probably be in the top eight at that point but they'll be going into a really brutal last 16 games with tons of big time head-to-head matchups really playoff type games like when the Clippers go up against a team like Portland or a team like Utah we'll see where these teams are in the standings when these when they actually meet but if you're tied with a team in the standings with a week left in the season and you're playing them head-to-head -head, it could not be a bigger game it is essentially it is a playoff game and so it'll be really interesting to see how Doc Rivers manages his rotations in that game how different guys step up and we'll kind of see what this team is made of and I think we might reach a point where if the Clippers don't make the playoffs they will have had to lose big games in such a way that we won't be left thinking, what if? I think that that makes, that makes sense. It makes sense to me that for the Clippers to miss the playoffs, it would mean that they would have had to lose several playoff-type games. So they kind of are going to get a chance at the, this like high-stake postseason action. And if they prove that they don't belong, they won't get in. And if they prove that they do belong, I think that they will. I don't think that there's much room for them to flounder in these games and potentially make it. And I think that because of these games are such big head-to-head -head contests, if they win these big games, they will get in if they deserve it. So it'll be a good test for the team. It'll be really, really fun to watch this tight 
race down the end of the season, not only in regards to the Clippers, but all of these teams in the Western Conference, from 3 to 10, eight teams competing for six spots. I can't remember a season where the conference, the playoff race, has been this close, this late in the stretch. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. And definitely we're going to stay on top of all of the developments with how these games go, how these teams are playing, who's playing against who, and where they are in the standings, and what the big matchups are. We're going to keep track of all of it on Lockdown Clippers over the next month, month and a half, as we figure it all out. But that's going to do it for today's episode. So thank you guys for listening. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can hit me up on Twitter at LucasJHan. You can email me lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. And make sure you are reading the Clips Nation blog at clipsnation.com and following along on Twitter at clipsnationsbn. This is Lucas Han signing off for Lockdown Clippers.